0: Last time we looked at Hebrews chapter 12 where it talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's in Hebrews 12 but we referred back to Hebrews 11 because of the many have gone before us. The many who have gone before us uh, and they were looking beyond. They were themselves looking for a better country, a better place where Jesus now is. So we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's gone before us and um let's keep looking to jesus these things we've been praying for let's keep looking to jesus who is seated at the right hand of majesty wonderful well today i'd like us to look at the second of three passages we were going to look at just on this idea of looking beyond and it's 2 corinthians chapter 4 and verses 16 to 18 2 corinthians Chapter 4 and verses 16 to 18. Just a couple of verses. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Well, I don't know if you remember, but last week we had to go back because the uh the the sentence started with the word therefore and so that's why we flipped back into Hebrews 11 because Hebrews 12 started with a therefore well our verse today starts with with therefore and in this chapter in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians Paul's been talking about his present sufferings his and boy did he have some sufferings if you study the sufferings of Paul and collate a list of the things he went through it is extensive the struggles that he had in this world they were they were pretty ugly some of the things he had to go through and he's saying that the glory that awaits him outweighs them all they're just light they're lightweight it's incredible paul really went through a lot of trials and troubles so he speaks of our time here in this chapter this is leading up to the therefore he speaks of our time here on earth as treasure in jars of clay, or we have this treasure in jars of clay. And that is that we hold on to something of great, great value. We've got something on the inside of us as Christians, which is of great, great, great value. Even if our outward bodies are wearing away, they are like jars of clay. They're, they, they might be practical. Um, they might not be ornate. Um, But inside is something awesome. You might feel weak and imperfect and you might feel that for the rest of your life. But on the inside you have treasure. There is treasure deposited within you. So why don't we lose heart? Well, according to this chapter, um, we don't lose heart because despite our sufferings, two amazing things are happening. Number one, God is going to raise us from the dead. Uh, like he did Jesus. This is all leading up to the therefore. God's going to raise us from the dead. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead will also bring life to our bodies and we. And he will present us to him. We're going to be presented uh, and it's not going to be a uh, head hung low, tail between your legs presentation. Um, you've been called before the headmaster and you don't know if you've done something wrong. You're presented glorious And he's going to say well done good and faithful servant and um, because of the righteousness that you have found in Christ Jesus not through anything that you've done. So he's going to raise us from the dead like he did Jesus. That's the first thing that's happening that's amazing. The reason we don't lose heart therefore we do not lose heart is the beginning of our sentence today. Therefore we do not lose heart and the reasons are number one we're going to be in heaven and number two... In the meantime, while we're waiting for that glorious, glorious day, the gospel is reaching more and more people. That's why we don't lose heart. That's why Paul didn't lose heart despite the beatings he took because the gospel which was more important to him than anything else in the world was being spread and more and more people were finding the truth and that's why he didn't lose heart. And those two facts... Our resurrection one day and in the meantime the presentation of the gospel and the spread of the gospel and the acceptance of the gospel by sinners, by new Christians, far outweighed for Paul any misery, any suffering that he was going through because Paul was looking beyond. He was looking beyond the circumstances. Therefore Paul does not lose heart and neither should we because The same is true for us. The gospel is spreading. We might not see new Christians coming into our church every week at the moment, but we are believing for a harvest as we continue to spread the word, as we continue to pray blessing upon our neighbours, as we continue to connect with those who we are led to by life's circumstances and by the Lord. Um, We are praying for a harvest and we're praying for those people. And so we're not losing heart and i like how paul is so honest about his physical limitations and even deteriorations i i think i mentioned once before i I heard a preacher long ago who was um a a little bit questionable in his prosperity teaching and he was also the health side of as well health and wealth and and he he proclaimed that he was never going to grow old while he was on earth he was just going to die like a young man because he was he was walking with the lord so closely um I wonder how he's looking today. <laughs> it's, it's not the way Paul was talking. Paul was saying, yeah, we deteriorate. He uses the phrase, what is it, wasting away. Um, outwardly, we are wasting away. That's honesty, isn't it? And um, he didn't beat around the bush about that. He was honest and real about his own personal limitations and the deterioration of his own physical health and the thorn in the flesh that wasn't taken away and you'd think this super apostle would have a bit more of a super spin on things but he didn't need to because he could face any reality of his earthly demise in the light of this incredible heavenly reality that he was looking beyond and looking towards and that heaven reality is present in in us today it's present in us to some extent there's this now and not yet tension with Paul's writings and we've got some stuff now but there's a not yet that is to come which is so exciting as well even while we wait for its ultimate fulfillment when Jesus brings us back to be with to where we belong in in heaven inwardly we are renewed day by day treasure in jars of clay isn't it we've got this treasure in jars of clay And we thank you, Lord, that you have deposited in us something of greatest price, of greatest value, like the man who sold everything he had to buy a field because he knew there was treasure in it. That's how important this this treasure inside us is. We, We should be willing to sacrifice everything we have for this treasure that is on the inside of us. And so outwardly we may be wasting away, but inwardly we are renewed day by day well is that necessarily true is that a given i don't think it's a given i don't think it actually has to be that way if we fix our eyes even as spirit-filled christians if we fix our eyes on the wrong things we'll be inwardly declining every day morally declining spirit i speak from personal experience <laughs> spiritually declining mentally declining by not fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on things unseen. In fact, it doesn't take any effort at all to slip away um, spiritually, morally, ethically, mentally, to go into decline. It takes, in fact, zero effort. You don't have to try. It happens all on its own. We don't have to fix our eyes on bad things. We just have to um, slack off a little bit in our spiritual walk. I'm speaking from personal experiences I know the difference in myself when I'm walking daily with Jesus speaking that uh, prayer language that he's given me the the speaking in tongues reading his word talking to him talking to him about his word as I read it communing with him doing my best in my own uh, in my own way to abide in Christ throughout the day when I'm not doing that I drift It's not a physical, sorry, it's not a deliberate thing, but I just drift naturally. So just wanted to bring in that sort of reality check for my own life that where Paul says outward inwardly, we're renewed day by day. Well, good for you, Paul. It shows you're walking with the Lord. Um, But, you know, not everybody uh, experiences that because we have to be intentional about our walk with the Lord, just like with any relationship. We have to be intentional about it and work on it and spend time with that person that we're having a relationship with and so much more with jesus so that's why we're told in the next verses to fix our mind on things unseen fix our mind, so we're not uh, only able to be renewed day by day to keep the treasure safe within the jar in the here and now there's this even greater treasure in the future Um, but Paul says that our light and momentary troubles just working through these verses now our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all he could say that because the trouble he was going through was linked to He's preaching the gospel he was suffering for the gospel so he could say our light and momentary troubles are definitely out uh, achieving something far more important but for us sometimes our uh, our troubles are self-inflicted i'm just bringing that balance again sometimes you could you could go through troubles and, and not honestly say well god's doing something great in this because we've just made a really poor life choice and we brought trouble on ourselves and yeah god by his grace might turn it around for good but it really wasn't part of his plan but paul's talking about the fact that he was suffering for the gospel and that's an an, an eternal glory that that's brought from that that far outweighs any suffering his suffering because of his suffering paul's loads of people are coming to know jesus First the Jews and then the Gentiles coming to know Jesus. That was worth the suffering. It was worth the cost. And it's a little bit like Jesus who had to go through that suffering so that he could be the first fruits of many more brothers and sisters. Jesus was willing to die so that some might find freedom. Anyone who chooses can find freedom. Paul was willing to suffer so that others might find that same freedom. And the light of seeing your neighbour in heaven, imagine seeing your neighbour who doesn't know Jesus today, but one day them coming to Jesus and one day you seeing that neighbour in heaven or even your neighbour's children. We just talked about one child who we, we didn't actually pray out loud for, but we shared that prayer request of one particular child and praying for their healing. Imagine seeing that whole family... Saved. Imagine seeing the person you um, live next door to or you encounter on a daily basis who doesn't know Jesus. Seeing them in all of eternity, in heaven, in eternity. Any suffering you go through in that process is worth it. You, you will agree it's worth it. I'm not having to tell you that. You would agree. When you're sitting in heaven with that person in glory and you think about some of the ridicule you went through, or some other suffering you went through for the gospel, you won't even think about it. It won't even matter. And that's the context Paul's in here. He's saying, these light afflictions I'm suffering because of the gospel, they're nothing. They're nothing. I'm looking beyond. I'm looking beyond to what Jesus is doing for the future. These sufferings are lightweight compared with the heavy glory that will be seen. So working through the verses we fix our eyes not on what is seen and what a lot of things we see someone prayed tonight already about some of the things we see in our world and how unhappy a place the world is in so many ways we don't fix our minds and our eyes on those things we're told to focus on whatever things are true, right, noble, lovely, praiseworthy, all those things. We fix our mind on those things in the natural, but in the supernatural, we kind of, we want to fix our eyes on things unseen, which actually sounds a little bit like a contradiction, to fix our eyes on something that isn't seen. It is a contradiction, isn't it? You know, it's like saying, smell the unsmellable and uh, and, and taste the untastable. Uh, we want you to see fix your not just see the unseen but fix your eyes on them on on the things unseen and um, it reminded me of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 so I'm going to read a few verses um, and then we'll we'll come back to these verses again just to to pray and um, and maybe someone else wants to pray as well just in line with it in Ephesians 1 in verse 18 and I'm going to read through to 23. So I'm reading more verses here than, uh, than the key verses for tonight. So we're thinking about fixing our eyes on what is unseen. And I'm thinking about them being the eyes of our heart. I pray, says Paul, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, this is written to Christians. So this isn't like enlighten the non-Christians, Lord. This is us. We, we can apply this to ourselves. Don't we want more enlightenment of Jesus? Don't we want to see more of who God is? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything, in every way. That's quite a mouthful. That's quite a sentence. I'm not going to unpack those verses. It's um, probably a whole series to unpack those verses. But that is some enlightenment, isn't it? If he's saying he starts off, I pray that eyes of your hearts will be enlightened, so that you can see. And then he just spills out all these truths and and treasures um, to do with our salvation and who we are. In Christ. Surely that's what Paul's thinking about when he says we fix our eyes on the things that are unseen, the the things that are greater than our physical reality, the things that are superior to anything our human eyes can see. And that's where God's word tonight is encouraging us to fix our eyes. So last week we saw we were to fix our eyes on Jesus, and I suggested there was some determination in the word fix. Um, it's not just a mere glance, it's fixing our eyes on him. And on today we're thinking about on things unseen, these incom- incomparably great riches of who we are in Christ. So how do we do that day to day? How do we continue to have our eyes fixed, our spiritual eyes fixed on things unseen when there's so much bombardment of other stimulus all around us, stimuli all around us, Well, I I just personally believe it's built up of hundreds of decisions that we make in the moment every day. We perhaps choose to interpret circumstances in the light of Scripture. Or we choose to make decisions, inviting Jesus into the decision-making process. We choose to switch off the TV when we know it's not a healthy thing that's come on the TV. We choose to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We make a daily choice to talk to Jesus throughout the day. We're fixing our eyes on things unseen. We choose to talk to him silently in the the quiet of our hearts, even while we're listening to a neighbour. We choose to hold back on our own inferior wisdom and wait to see if the Lord has something to say. We choose to view our tiny lifespan every day as part of God's vast eternal plan. We choose to put aside insecurity and inferiority complexes and see ourselves as redeemed, chosen and given a part to play in history. We choose to look to Jesus seated at the right hand of majesty and know that we are seated with him. We choose to be filled with his spirit, not as a one-off event but as a daily encounter we choose to say i don't want to be friends with the world i want to walk with the lord and i want to be his friend so let's look beyond our own human world and our own human circumstances and our own human frailty and um and let's fix our eyes on the things unseen so i'm going to read those verses from ephesians 1 once again just to lead us off in prayer so i'll read them i'll say amen And then if anybody else wants to pray in line with that in thanksgiving for or just to help us to continue thinking about these things, then please do so. Let's close our eyes now and just receive these words. I pray that the eyes of our hearts. For Christine, for William, for Paul and for Jan. For my dad, for Dave, for Karen, for Verity, for Daphne, for Pete, I pray that our hearts would be enlightened in a, in a new way in order that we may know firsthand, experientially, the hope to which He has called us, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, His incomparably great power for us who believe. May we know that power which is the same as the mighty strength that you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under your feet Lord Jesus and appointed him, appointed you to be head over everything for us, your church, which is your body, the fullness of you, of yourself, who fills everything in every way. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. We may not fully understand the depth and the breadth and the riches of what we've just read, but we want to know more of you and we pray that you would enlighten our hearts even more and open the eyes of our hearts so that we might see you more and more day by day, in Jesus' name. Amen.